Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Dr. Lake Show. This is Dr. Paula Lake. Really pleased to be here today um, with Dr. Larry Waterman, my guest. Um, we will be talking about narcissism. Um, and just for those of you, this is a second time uh, guest here. Uh, Dr. Waterman is a retired psychologist, has had uh, plenty of experience with personality disorders um, and in the clinical field, doing custody assessments, um, running groups and working just in private practice with um, many different clients, including police officers, first responders, um, and of course, dealing with personality disorders in the context of his work, uh, which I think is somehow hard to avoid in our in our practice. Um, but welcome, so happy you. you Kate got to come here again, Larry. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so you know maybe we can uh, just to give people um, an understanding of um, uh, personality disorders in context. I think you wanted to cover a little bit. Um, of to help people understand where personality disorders fall within the di diagnostic manual that we have. Yeah, I, I think that would be helpful for people so that they don't um, mix personality disorders up with other kinds of disorders that we deal with as well. So there's basically three groups um, of disorders that we deal with. Uh, the first are the most familiar to most people. They're things we hear a lot about now because of COVID-19 people getting depressed, people getting anxious, people get developing phobias, uh, being traumatized to some extent. And I'm not saying these can't be quite serious. They can. Uh, they can even be life-threatening and uh, result in suicidal behavior in the extreme. But generally speaking, these are the, the more common disorders that uh, psychologists see and other therapists, of course, see um, on a daily basis. The second group are a much more um, severely disordered group of individuals. And these are the people that, uh, when the general public thinks of someone being, for want of a better term, crazy, uh, they tend to think of these kinds of people. So these would be people with, for example, schizophrenia, um, who have a break with reality. Uh, they'd be bipolar disordered individuals, who we used to call them manic depressive um, individuals. Uh, so they fluctuate between deep periods of depression and very high manic moods when they um, do extreme things like spend money like crazy, gamble, um, do all kinds of extreme behaviors that they wouldn't normally engage in. And these are people too that uh, really need uh, some form of psychiatric medication. Um, it's pretty well impossible to deal with them without medication um, as an assistance. Um, and once they're, they're um, uh, extreme reactions are under a certain amount of control, then we can sometimes work with them and help them to make changes in their life that uh, improves their, their overall lot. And then the third group are the ones we're going to be talking about today, and that's the personality disorders. Um, and we see um, characteristics of personality disorders in just about everybody, because let's face it, we all have a lot of uh, sides to our personality. And it only becomes a problem when the personality disorder characteristics, and I'll get to that in a moment, um, become so severe that they start to interfere with the person's ability to function. Um, rest of the time, um, usually under periods of low stress or uh, when everything's going well in the person's life, they function quite well and most people don't even realize that they, they have a personality disorder. And it's only when they go through periods of high stress, such as during custody and access, uh, when people get divorced, for example, and they're under a lot of stress, that we see these characteristics really coming to the fore. And we can start to identify them then based on the characteristics that they have. And we'll get to those in a few minutes. So um, personality disorders can impact on us in a variety of ways. Certainly one of the main ways is how we view the world. Um, and as I said, when things are going well, we tend to see the world as a pretty normal, easygoing, predictable, understandable place. But put someone under, under a lot of stress for a period of time, and their view of the world becomes distorted, and they, they aren't able to make good or accurate um, interpretations of what's going on around them. They can also impact on uh, the person's emotional responses. So uh, where a person may seem reasonably even keel for most of the time, put them under extreme stress, and you'll start to see more extreme um, emotional reactions from them. So their, their moods will go up and down very quickly. They'll be much more extreme than, than you'd normally see. 
Um, maybe their behavior is not as appropriate as it once was. Maybe they overreact with, for example, anger outbursts or emotional outbursts where they start crying and become tearful. So there's a lot of ways it can impact on a person. Certainly one of the big ways that we're going to be talking about today with narcissism is the uh, way it impacts on the person's interpersonal uh, functioning with other people. Um, and we'll see how that plays out in, in just a few minutes. And finally, I mentioned the, um, the impulsiveness that we see with some of these characteristics where a person has a lot of difficulty controlling their impulses and um, staying the course, so to speak. Um, and as I say, we'll get to those in, in a, a lot more detail. And when we talk about personality disorders, there's really uh, 10 main personality disorders. And I don't want to go into a lot of detail um, about each of them because we're going to spend most of the time today talking about narcissism. <clears throat> but um, personality disorders also fall under three, three clumps, if you will. Uh, the cluster A uh, includes paranoid individuals, people who are very distrusting of others, have a lot of trouble trusting uh, big institutions like government or uh, companies or that sort of thing. And then there's the schizoid kinds of people who have trouble with relationships. They tend to be fairly isolated. Uh, when I worked um, elsewhere for a period of time, there was one fellow, for example, who lived in the woods all the time by himself. And he would come into town about once every three months, pick up a bunch of, of uh, things that he needed, and then go back to the bush and no one would see him again. Very bright individual. Um, he made beautiful musical instruments, guitars and banjos and all kinds of things but could not stand to be around people. And then there's the schizotypal people who, uh, again, have trouble with relationships, establishing a relationship. Um, again, they, they, they just can't seem to enter into a trusting relationship with anyone else and tend to be fairly lonely individuals. Um, I'm going to jump to cluster C um, and then come back to B in a moment. Cluster C is uh, made up of avoidant, dependent, and obsessive-compulsive people. So avoidant people are, are people who try to avoid um, commitments, uh, becoming involved with situations. Um, they tend also to be fairly isolated individuals because they, they have trouble with uh, trust issues as well. Dependent people are people who really need someone, for want of a better term, to tell them what to do because they have trouble making decisions for themselves. So they often get into a relationship with a fairly domineering and... Um, overpowering kind of individual and they're quite happy to be in that kind of relationship because that's when they feel the most secure. And then the obsessive compulsive, which I tend to have a little bit of obsessive compulsiveness myself. I like things nice and neat and orderly, uh, but it doesn't interfere to the point where right. uh, I can't function. It, it, funny story, I, I had a client and uh, he had fairly strong obsessive compulsive characteristics and every time when he came into my office and sat down, he'd always reach over and rearranged the Kleenex box so it was just perfectly lined up at the corner of the desk. <laughs> I used to have fun. I'd, I'd reach over and I'd just tap the box and immediately go back <laughs> and set it up again. So kind of fun, but it can be quite debilitating if, yeah. it's, if it's extreme. Cluster B, the, the second one that I jumped over, is the one that we're going to be focusing most on today. And it's made up of four different personality character disorders, I should say. Um, antisocial personality, which is just exactly what you'd think. They're people who have trouble with authority. They get into a lot of trouble with the law. They, um, um, they have difficulty being in relationships. They're, they'll cheat on their partners, for example. They'll steal if given the opportunity. Uh, they really, they're the ones people think about as not having any conscience, which then allows them to do whatever they want, basically with impunity. The second type is borderline personality disorders. And these tend to be people who are very black and white. Um, you're either my very best friend or my worst enemy, and it can change literally in a second. You can say something to me, um, which you mean in a, in a very benign kind of way, uh, but if I take it wrong, all of a sudden I hate you and I don't want you in my life and just get out of my sight. I, I don't want anything to do with you. Histrionic personality disordered people uh, tend to be over-emotional. They, they overreact emotionally to whatever happens to them. So something that most people would be able to handle in a fairly easy way they'll overreact to and uh, get very angry or upset or have some other extreme emotional response as well. And then finally, we come to our old friend, narcissism. And uh, we have recently had a, 
a wonderful example of a highly narcissistic <laughs> individual who just happened to be the, the head of the largest country in the, or one of the largest countries in the world. And of course, referring to President Trump. Yes. And uh, many professionals over the course of his uh, presidency referred to him as having a very extreme narcissistic personality disorder. And we'll, we'll get into a lot more detail about that in a moment. Yes, I mean, uh, I, 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 I would agree, agree wholeheartedly. I think, um, uh, you know, it's good to understand uh, this disorder because I think it does touch our lives. And I mean, that's a good example of when it touches our lives is um, someone who's leading the country who has, who has those traits. Um, but it could be a husband, a partner, a boss, a, a CEO. A narcissism is kind of embedded in our society um, and I think what, what would be nice is for people to understand it. Um, you know, I think it, sometimes it can get confused with other disorders, but there are very specific um, traits that are represent um, narcissism. I'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit about what, what do we see when we're dealing with narcissism, what um, kind of traits exist. Sure, I'd be happy to. I should just say before I start, though, that it's very rare that we see someone who's a purely one-dimensional uh, personality disordered individual. So, for example, with narcissism, we often see um, a fairly uh, high level of psychopathy, for example, where the person doesn't really have that much conscience or doesn't appear to. Um, and so you get this overlap of different kinds of personality, but the, the primary one in this case that we're talking about is narcissism. The, the first characteristic I'd like to talk about is the whole sense of grandiosity, that the, they're better than anyone, they know better than anyone, um, everything they do is absolutely wonderful, and anybody doesn't think so, then obviously is an idiot, um, and these people function in a way that they really believe they can do no wrong, and everything they do is absolutely right. Um, it's interesting in relationships, one of the things that, that happens um, in my experience is um, and I should point out that most narcissists, uh, the majority, are, are male, um, although we certainly do see some female narcissists. Um, but when they get into a relationship, when, when the man gets into a relationship with someone else, um, they often choose someone that they uh, think that they can control to a large extent. So uh, one of the things that happens, for example, in relationships when one partner is a narcissist is they isolate their partner. They get them away from their family. They get them away from their friends. So they really have no one else to turn to other than the narcissist uh, for any feedback about themselves or anything else. And that's one of the hardest things for, for women in particular who are in a relationship with a narcissist uh, to get away from. And there's actually a number of groups on the internet um, focusing um, on helping women who are married or in a relationship with a narcissist help them get away and point out to them what they need to watch for um, and it can be very helpful um, it can be a bit crazy making for people I'm oh. trying to understand what's happening to them um, because if you're if you are a compassionate person and you're with a narcissist or empathetic or you have someone with it you're trying to figure out what's going on because it can really um, be destabilizing when you're trying to negotiate or deal with conflict with a narcissist and you know um just one point when you talked about the uh the being better than and i i remember all the clips that um they've compiled sometimes in in the statements that you'd hear trump saying uh which is always better than i'm the best never never been anything done like this the, the phrasing is always about ranking yourself on top of everyone else and no one else has done as much for america as yes, donald yeah. trump he'll be the first one to tell you that yeah so, so those they, they, they have a huge sense of self-importance which really feeds into the grandiosity i was just talking about a moment ago too mm -hmm. um whether it's it's justified or not i'm not saying some narcissists can be very brilliant individuals and yeah. they, they do have a lot of skills but their sense of self-importance tends to permeate everything they do yeah um so they're never wrong as i said earlier uh, they're always right um, and if they could just find people like themselves the world would be a perfect place as far as they're concerned um, 
it might be hard for them to get along with people like themselves because if the narcissist <laughs> thinks the other narcissist thinks they're a fabulous too, you might have a bit of a conflict there. Well, it was interesting yeah. because I, I ran a group for about, oh, about a year and a half that was made up of borderline narcissistic, psychopathic um, clients um, at the hospital where I worked. And they were extremely hard on each other. As soon as one of them would make any statement of that seemed grandiose or pointing out their own importance, the rest of the group would just jump on them all, all over the place and just stop them. Um, so it was kind of interesting to watch because, as you say, a good narcissist can't stand to be around another good narcissist because who's best? <laughs> I know. So. Put, put a bunch of narcissists in the same room. It'd be interesting to see what happens. I know that I was, um, in, in my earlier years of training, I was at a, a hospital. I was um, uh, had a practicum at the Regional Psychiatric Centre, um, which was a uh, basically a prison for, pe- right. for people with mental health issues. Um, I was re- asked to assess um, a da- someone who had been labeled a dangerous offender, sex offender, um, for psychopathy. Um, they, I went into a room with him. He was this large man, and the grandiosity was beyond what I would have expected. But what ironically, I pulled out of that assessment. I deliberately chose not to do it. But in in my meeting with him, he he was grandiose about um, even the um, psychiatrist. He had a prominent psychiatrist who was overlooking him. Not just any psychiatrist. It was a prominent psychiatrist, and his complaint was that I'm just a. I was still a practicum student. I was not worthy. <laughs> of conducting an assessment on him so i certainly that was already a cue that he definitely had some psychopathic or narcissistic traits for sure yeah well in a lot of these cases too because of these belief systems that they have uh they can uh, come across as quite delusional because they really do believe that what they're doing is better than anyone else like trump really did believe that what he was doing for america was better than the last six presidents put together. And uh, no matter what kind of feedback he got or no matter how much people tried to show him it wasn't true, he refused to accept it because he knew that he was right and he was the best and he was... That's why he was president, and he should be president for the rest of his life as far as he was concerned. Yeah. And so as far as criticism goes then, um, you can't really criticize or uh, uh, um, someone with narcissism or they're, they're very... Um, hypersensitive to it, reactive to it, is that? That's absolutely yeah. right, yes, um, because they're perfect. Um, obviously, they can't be criticized, and if someone does criticize them, it's because they just don't understand them, and they're not smart enough to understand what they're doing. Yeah. And so everybody who would ever level any kind of criticism would be dismissed as far as they were concerned. And we saw that uh, during the Trump presidency where he'd get some feedback from one of the, his, his close associates and within a few days, that person would be gone and be replaced by somebody else. And eventually, as we all know, he ended up being surrounded by basically yes people who would just agree with whatever he said and uh, built him up and made him believe that he was the very best in the world. And of course, that fed into his narcissism and uh, just perpetuated the whole thing and, and made it even more severe. Hmm. Interesting. It's You know, I, I just... I, I think it's it's we were talking I was watching a program the other day and it was about uh, success and the world of narcissism that you might find a narcissist in a CEO position because in a way when you filter out anyone who's disagreeing with you and you only adopt people that are in your circle um, it is a means to acquiring a certain amount of power and um, you know, having that whole, the, the, the position of being in, um, um, able to uh, have everything go your way is by eliminating people that are in disagreement with you. Um, you're more likely, and, and it works in some instances. I see that it can be an effective strategy to gaining power when we eliminate people that are counter to us, right? So, well, and when, especially when you can. Bind that the whole narcissistic personality um, characteristics with a psychopathic characteristics because mm-hmm. the psychopath, of course, is determined to just get whatever the psychopath wants. It doesn't matter who it hurts or who gets in the way or whatever. 
And I was talking with my brother, who was a very successful businessman. He was CFO of a large company at the time. And we were talking about his boss, who's the CEO of the company. And uh, after he talked for about 15, 20 minutes, I said, I looked at him and said, you realize you've just described a narcissistic um, psychopath. And he looked at me kind of strange. I said, really? That's what I did? And I said, yeah. Well, wow. all, all the characteristics you've just talked about with so-and-so are characteristics we see in narcissists and psychopaths. And he was the CEO of the company and very successful and made the company a lot of money. Um, but he did it um, at the expense of others. It was always his ideas that were the best. Um, he was married with a couple of children, um, was having an affair with the, the company's lawyer, um, who was female, of course, and uh, saw absolutely nothing wrong with that and made no bones about it that um, um, this is what was going on. If people didn't like it, too bad, go away. That's all that, all that mattered to him. Has a very uh, much of an autocratic flavoring to it, right? Very much yeah, so, so. Yes. You know, if we have a narcissism as leaders, we probably need to be careful of that and, and be mindful. I've, I've often wondered why uh, should we be doing, should psychology be in politics, right? Should we have some uh, form of, of evaluating the mental health of people that are moving into positions of power? And this is just completely an aside, but it is a question that I've had and wondered about. Well, you know, given what we've been through for the last four years or so in the United States, I think you can make a strong argument that um, anybody running for a position of power, like a prime minister or president or whatever, um, should be evaluated and uh, perhaps stopped from pursuing their career if it can be shown that they have these characteristics, which are certainly going to have a negative effect in, in various ways if they do achieve the power that they want. The other thing you have to remember, too, is, is these people have a a huge sense of entitlement. Um, mm -hmm. They really believe that they deserve to be at the top, running everything, making all the decisions, because let's face it, no one else is smart enough to do that, and no one else knows things as well as they do and understands things. And so from their perspective, they can do no wrong. Right. Um, and that just adds to the, the complications that, that, that we see with these kinds of things. The other characteristic that, and I mentioned this earlier before, is they're very exploitive of other people. Um, we mentioned surrounding yourself with yes people. Um, and that's a way of exploiting people um, to get them to confirm that what you're doing is the best or um, explaining to them why, why their, their ideas are not right, even though they may be very uh, very helpful and, uh, and, and right on. Um, the narcissist does not have to take anybody's word um, because they know they're right. Um, and that's just who they are. And as I said, the world would be a better place if everybody else would just stand down and, and let them do whatever they wanted because they're the right. And and with that, I, I would imagine, because uh, for me in the world of psychology, I, I work from a very empathetic place and perspective taking, <clears throat> but I would imagine that that's one of the traits that we know that's lacking for them is uh, em empathy, perspective taking. It's, Absolutely. Yeah. They, because they say they really see no need to do that. Yeah. Because everyone else is inferior to them. So yeah. why should they waste their time trying to understand what you're going through emotionally or any other way when if you just do what I say, you'd be fine? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's yeah. A, in it's, some ways, it's a, it's a very neat um, way to live your life because you never have to take other people into consideration or anything that you don't believe simply does not exist. You know, I mean, I, not to say that that's appealing, but, you know, I can, from someone who is ultra empathetic and, and, and concerned about others, it could be a relief to think about not having to have that worry, right? <laughs> so it's not something you want. It could certainly be destructive. Um, but for them, there there is no, um, they're not limited by their empathy or their, it's not something that constrains their behavior in any shape or form because it's not there. Exactly. And, and when we have it, it does actually inform how we're going to handle situations. But in the absence of it, um, you really operate without any consideration of, of the impact. And, and that's certainly what I've seen in politics recently has been um, you know, 
not really a huge concern on a global level on how it's affecting you know the country and people and 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 division and what it's doing in the end to people if that isn't really thought out and not a part of a concern um you know people will just um the country will operate without really consideration for that right yeah well and i think a, a good example we of that was when we saw uh, president trump's reaction to covid19 um, and his way of dealing with that was basically to dismiss it and uh, not deal with it because it wasn't worth dealing with. It was just a flu. Um, even when tens of hundreds of thousands of people started dying, he still didn't change his mind. He didn't um, promote wearing masks. He didn't promote the other safety measures that uh, the, the experts were saying we needed to do um, because he didn't see any need. I mean, he had it. He got over it. So no big deal mm -hmm. uh, as far mm -hmm. as he was concerned. And it's only since there's been a change in the presidency that we've seen um, America really start to come to grips with COVID-19 in a much more productive manner. Uh, you know, here's the one thing that I'm, I find fascinating in, in some respects because um, is the issue about how we determine what reality is and how we operate you know, I'm I'm very much driven by precision and and um, stating things as they are, looking at the data, and the crazy making part. I think when we're perhaps dealing with narcissism, is that reality becomes the thing that becomes in question because it wouldn't be unlike a narcissist to lie or to manipulate a fact um, to what is serving them. Um, but in relationship, that can be really, really hard. It can right? be. And as you said earlier, it's, it's what really drives people crazy when they're in a relationship with a narcissist because no matter what they say or what kind of feedback they try to give or how much they try to point out that, that the way their partner is thinking or, or behaving is inappropriate, it's going to be totally shot down. And it's obviously all their fault. And they just don't understand the situation. And when are you going to smarten up and start to see the world the way it really is, which is how I see it? Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard because I do think we all, in one point or another in our lives, end up encountering someone that has narcissistic um, traits, um, if not a disorder. At the very least, they, they may have some traits. Um, but there was a way that someone described it, and I, I really liked it, is they, they, they take facts and they put it in this spin cycle, and it comes out with with a completely sort of revision of those facts. And so when we're not dealing with uh, agreeable facts, uh, so for example, gaslighting is uh, one of the things I would imagine happens more with narcissism, a uh, tendency to maybe deny a fact. Um, if something was said, um, just deny that it was said, or if... You know, deny something that maybe all of us have observed, but that's still powerful enough to bring into question what the truth is Absolutely. when somebody does that. And I've certainly seen that a lot in, in the political situation is um, a lot of flip-flopping about what facts are and truths and, you know, changing depending. It's almost changeable like the weather, right? And, uh, you know, so I think... That can be really another uh, element that's very destabilizing because I think we all can deal with someone who maybe thinks that they're great and, and, and can admire that. But when it's used to um, minimize, denigrate, and then also revise what we know to be true, it can be really, really challenging to even have a sense of um, uh, confidence yourself. I, th I find if you're, and I've met some people that were in relationship with a narcissist, and what happens to them is they start to experience more self-doubt um, because of, of the nature of the relationship and how much reality ends up being questioned. And that over time, they even start to wonder what's, what's real here, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it can have all kinds of effects. Um, one of the common things we see with, with couples uh, involved in a narcissistic relationship is um, they, as you said, they, they start to doubt themselves and their sense of reality. Now, we could go on for long lengths about what is reality and 
is your reality the same as my reality? But as you say, there are agreed upon facts that are out there that in order to function in our society in an appropriate and respectful manner, we all agree are true. The sky is blue, the et cetera, exactly, you know, those kinds yeah. of things. But if you're with someone who has such an incredibly high need to be in control that they're going to distort reality to fit their perception of how things should be, not necessarily how things are, but how, how they believe things should be, that can be very destabilizing, as you say, because you really start to doubt, well, is that really what I saw? Is that really what I remember? Is that not true? Um, because you, you're living with someone who tells you that all the time, yeah. that my reality is true. I don't know what you're doing. But it certainly isn't true because yeah. it doesn't fit with my reality. And it's amazing to me how much repetition, like the power of repetition, because um, if, if I know of a reality that has existed and someone is repeatedly claiming the falsehood in that reality, um, repetition has a certain amount of power. Like I've certainly seen that in the public setting. Um, I was watching a documentary uh, where they were, um, uh, talking about um, some of the key words that were being used, like uh, fake news, fake mm -hmm. news, and that in using that kind of key word over time. And, and you know, even myself, who sort of recognized some of the things that were going on, because for me, it, 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 it's more obvious. I don't know if it's obvious to others. It's very obvious to me what might be happening. But at, with the with the repetition of something, um, a big issue was around even um, the legitimacy of the uh, the uh, the voting and and uh, the outcome of the, um, uh, the the presidency campaigns and and how that worked out. Um, the repetition of it does lead you to go, well, maybe there's something. It, it, so it, it will, and I think this is important for people who are in relationship with a narcissist, um, that if they are constantly bombarded with things that are questioning certain facts, it might be time to step away and, and find some people with whom uh, you can start to renegotiate what reality actually is and start to... to to evaluate it, to get out of that quagmire, because... And that's one of the, the main functions of the groups that I mentioned that are on the internet, uh, that they can provide that kind of support, even while the person remains in the relationship until they can get strong enough to leave, because it's not easy to leave a relationship, as we all understand. Mm -hmm. um, and especially someone like a narcissist who has by that time probably taken over almost total control of your life, um, and caused you to have great doubts about yourself and whether or not you can trust your own perceptions of the world, how do you leave a relationship like that to go out on your own independently without having a very strong support system in place? And Absolutely. That's, that's what these groups are, are providing for these women. And I've seen several women you know, start attending those groups and eventually leave, their, in each case, their husbands. Um, but then the husbands would um, track them down, even though they, they tried to keep where they were um, um, secure and, and, and not let them know where they were. That you know, one fellow even hired a detective and, and had his wife, uh, former wife, uh, followed home after work. And so he, that's how he found out where she was living. And then he would come by and just um, make himself present all the time. And she finally en ended up leaving town and quitting her job because she didn't know what else to do to get away from him. Yeah, it can go to that extreme, right? It is. I mean, the, the one of the concepts I, that I think touches on that is the one of narcissistic injury. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think it's, you know, if you're either with me or you're against me. And if if any way you have humiliated or shamed or from their perception, right? And so even maybe a, deciding to end a relationship could be an extreme um extremely triggering thing for someone who has narcissism and they may go to extensive lengths to um, be vindictive or to shame or to Including humiliate violence. and it could result in violence i i mean i've seen that a lot certainly in presidency with with the firing and the humiliating 
aspect of it is that if you don't believe in you, you're not in agreement with me, I'm going to denigrate you. I'm going to pathologize you. I'm going to make you into someone that people might want to hate. So there is a vindictive um, element there with uh, narcissism. And we saw a wonderful example of that on January 6th when the, the capital in the U.S. Um, was attacked by, by the, uh, the rioters. Um, Trump gave a speech, um, basically you know, getting them ready to go and attack the capital. But then um, he was angry at Pence because Pence did not support him in the Senate um, and turned on Pence, who had been one of his most loyal followers for many, many months and yeah. had done everything that Trump had asked him to do. Yeah. But because he didn't do that, he was no good. He needs to be strung up. Go ahead, hang him. And he didn't care. Yeah, yeah. It's um, the, the demand for loyalty is um, um, fairly severe in the sense that if it, there's not much room for deviation from what they expect, and, and if you anything perceived contrary to what their expectations are is perceived as an act of disloyalty. And, and you need to be careful. And this is whether we have leaders in, in this. This is why I want to make the argument. We need psychologists in, 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 in doing some form of assessment. I find that interesting, right? Because we have um, policing. People that go into policing need to get assessed. Any positions of power require some kind of determination of whether that power will be used to benefit or potentially to hurt. And I know that those are issues that are prominent right now in policing around how power is used. But um, these qualities can develop within any profession, really. Oh, absolutely. Right? And, yes. you know, um, I'm sure there's probably some narcissistic psychologist out there uh, do you think they would get through a program <laughs> well Perhaps? actually when i was in graduate school um we had a, f a fellow um who was at the master's level completing his master's and he was not allowed to go on to his phd because the faculty um diagnosed him basically as being a narcissist and a bit of a psychopath and uh, they did not want him to go out and practice he did get his master's but he did not get his his doctorate um, so yes, oftentimes if these people are smart, they can get a certain length. And sometimes I'm sure some even slip through and, and do get their, their full doctorate. Um, I hate to think of the kind of damage they would do to, to clients and, and mm -hmm. patients who come to see them for help because they can't help but manipulate them the yeah. same way as may, they manipulate everybody else. Yeah, Because that is their reality. Well, I'm glad that they detected that one there and, and managed very, to very do angry. something. Very angry. I, I would be worried for the department. <laughs> <laughs> what would happen after that? Um, you know, the other one I, I wanted, one of the things I find interesting, because I've certainly encountered narcissists myself, is um, that they may engage in behavior that it could be hurtful to, to others. Um, but what happens is they when people are responding to that injury, um, perhaps um, rightfully putting up boundaries or setting setting up some kind of um, restriction on, on that hurt, that um, they don't, they, there's an inability to recognize uh, the role that they've played in contributing to a problem that surfaces. Absolutely. There's there is no real self-reflective ability to say, hmm, I can appreciate why this person is leaving me, <laughs> um, because I've been like abusing her for the last. There's none of that reflective ability that I see, right? They never abuse anybody of because course. everything they do is perfect. It's so all if, justified. And if the other person would just fall into line and do what they're told life would be wonderful yeah because my life's wonderful so if yours isn't then you're doing something wrong and you should probably yeah. just listen to me yeah. um you mentioned i did custody and access assessments for many many years and it was very interesting to me um as i say most narcissists tend to be male so a lot of them were were the fathers um and as part of uh, the custody and access of course you we go in as psychologists and we try to assess what is best for the children? Where should they live? With whom should they live? How much time should they see each of their parents? How much you know um, influence over the child should each parent have? And all of these very important questions. 
And there'd be times, and more times than surprisingly that most people wouldn't believe, where there'd be a history of a father not being involved with the children hardly at all, just barely acknowledging them, uh, too tied up in their work, too tied up in their um, sports or whatever, their friendships, and so had had very little to do in the children's lives. And yet they would put themselves forward as being the perfect parent and want to have at least 50% custody of the child or children, um, if not 100%, because they knew how to parent more better than anyone else. And even when confronted with the reality of all the feedback that we, I would gather from people, teachers who never saw the father, um, friends of the family who rarely saw the father ever interact with the children, uh, listening to the wife and how she had to do everything with the children. Um, and then they would still argue that I'm the best parent. The children should be with me and I'll make the decisions about what's best for them. And that includes how often they'll see their mother. And uh, they just could not see what everybody else, it was very evident to everybody else. Even in spite of evidence, you could have, you know, uh, you know, 10 people that are providing alternative realities, there would be no self-questioning, even amidst None. all this contrary evidence. And that's why I think it's so important for people to recognize that that possibility for change, because I've, I've, I've met people who have been with narcissists and who lived in this hope of being able to reach the narcissist. If, if I could only... Um, explain to them or have them see their ways or or have them understand that they've this reality is is distorted um, and they will try at length uh, large go to large lengths oh, to, for, long to, periods of time. for, for years and sometimes they could spend a good portion of their life in a relationship where they're trying to make an impact a change on a narcissist i think that's really hard right in, in my experience, that's one of the first stages that, um, as I say, women, because most narcissists are men, uh, that they go through. And it, it varies for each woman, but they, they really do believe that if I could just explain to him, if I could just help him to understand, if I could just get him to see the way the world really is, we'll have a wonderful relationship because he can be kind, he can be um, generous, he can be charming, he can be all of these things, all of which he uses to get what he wants from yes, people. Yes. And he has no intention and sees absolutely no need to change in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Because if you're perfect, you don't change. Yeah. And so do they, is there a learning curve um, is my question. I mean, it, you know, if I could see actually someone with narcissism sustaining certain powers in their life through a course because there is something intriguing about someone who... Uh, takes that kind of role of leadership and and claims maybe more knowledge um but is 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 there a learning curve for them when when if they find themselves divorced I, you know i i know my understanding and 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 what i've seen of narcissism is it's very unlikely to change and those patterns tend to continue but i'm wondering what your thoughts are about that i totally agree um They, because this whole process happens so slowly, it's, it's not something that happens overnight, um, by the time the person realizes they're in a relationship with a narcissist, it's almost too late because they've lost control of their life. They've, they've um, developed a lot of fears and insecurities around their perceptions of the world and the, the, the way they make decisions. And so it's extremely difficult to get out of that kind of relationship and you know, we, we look at things like if you start to feel controlled by your by your uh, partner, um, you should take a look at that and see what that's all about. If you um, are constantly being doubted by your partner, you should take a look at that and, and even go on the internet and, and just Google things like narcissism and see, see what fits and what doesn't fit. And there's a lot of good information if you go to good sites um, about all of these kinds of personality disorders. And as I say, there's a lot of overlap. So if you, as I said earlier, if you if you're narcissistic and you've got a nice strong psychopathic streak in you, there's basically nothing you can't do because there's no consequences whatsoever to you. Right. You know, and if someone decides to leave you or divorce you, 
well, they're just stupid. I deserve somebody better anyway, so I'm going to go and find somebody better. You know, and with that kind of um, focused determination, they often can be quite successful as well and become the head of companies and, and do extremely well in professions like politics, for example. It can work in certain arenas, maybe not in the interpersonal intimacy realm of any kind of genuine, authentic, uh, intimate relationship. Because to have this, there's a, there must be a level of superficiality in the way that they relate. And, Absolutely. you know, I know, you know, of some of the narcissists I've encountered, that they're not really good at talking on... Um, a grounded, emotionally centered, authentic kind of way. It's much more reactive and um, and and agenda driven for for them. So any disclosures are done with some intention of what they can get out of that disclosure, um, not necessarily just for the sake of sharing in that kind of vulnerable place that most of us might put ourselves. That's true. And, uh, you know, you mentioned um, how they function to some extent, and, and a lot of it is very cognitive. It's very much in their heads. Um, it's very much based on the reality that they've set up for themselves um, and allows them to dismiss fake news because it doesn't fit my reality, therefore it has to be fake. And the other interesting thing is they often align themselves with similar kinds of people. So Trump, for example, um, was strongly supported by Murdoch, who just happens to own Fox News. Trump would appear on Fox News numerous times because Fox News had a similar kind of reality to what he believed. Um, CNN wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. They didn't know what they were talking about. They were all stupid. And, of course, all they did was criticize them, so they don't know anything. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's a, it's a very difficult, but I think there's a lot of value for, for us to understand what narcissists look like. And, and for myself, um, certainly I think it's good for potential victims to, to understand what a narcissist looks like because, um, you know, I don't know if even for couples, I, I don't know this statistic if there is one on what kind of um, partner does a narcissist gravitate to. Um, but I would imagine that they um, would do well with a more passive because there's a lot of manipulation within that. Um, one of the um, uh, documentaries I was uh, paying attention to is there's you know things like emotional blackmail in the relationship. Um, you know if you you know guilt tripping people if they don't do you don't do what they want. Um, so it takes a certain personality. I, I, I don't think that I'm necessarily potentially immune, but for me, it does stand out when I see someone with narcissistic traits. It's not, it, it jumps out at me. And it's, it's, so I would imagine that we have different perceptual abilities and our ability to recognize those qualities. But if we're vulnerable and maybe have certain traits of, of, um, uh, you know, being a little bit more passive, a bit more demure. Uh, do you think that a narcissist in relationship is gonna is gonna seek out someone that they have more potential to manipulate and control versus, uh, you know, that social element that you just talked about? Well, we go back to the idea of control and uh, how the narcissist always has to be in control. Um, someone who's more self-determined and um, aware is going to pick up fairly quickly that the person they're going out with has this high need to be in control. Right. It'll come out in many different ways. What you order at a restaurant, um, what route you take in order to get to a store. Uh, it can be anything. But it's, as I said earlier, it starts out very slowly um, and they can be very, very respectful and very charming. Um, but gradually their need to be in total control of the relationship will start to show itself. And if the person has any awareness whatsoever, that's when they're going to start to look and say, wait a minute, something's not right here. Why, why is it a year ago I was a smart person who made lots of good decisions and now I can't do anything right yeah. uh, unless I do what he wants me to? So it might not last as long for the ones who would be, you know, and that's why I, th I think 
you know, I'm so glad that we have these conversations for people to start to become alert to that. And, you know, there are a couple of books um, that I've certainly liked, um, Emotional Blackmail, and they don't necessarily focus on narcissism. But what it does is it can equip someone who maybe has an ultra empathetic and uh, sort of um, accommodating personality um, that they can recognize, uh, you know, under uh, in most instances, if we are kind, caring people and we are with kind, caring people, we don't always have to worry about these things. But we do need to think more about it if we're with someone who is exploitive and um, you know, and if you are someone who doesn't understand what emotional blackmail looks like, what it, what being manipulated looks like, it's good to understand that. Um, there was another book called uh, Emotional Blackmail was by Susan Forward, um, The Verbally Abusive Relationship, which I had uh, looked at. It contained, it didn't talk about narcissism, but it certainly talked about the dynamics like gaslighting and minimizing and denial and twisting of reality so, it, you know, it, it's good things for people to know when they're entering probably any relationship. How do we protect ourselves and recognize when something is amiss um, when we're entering into a relationship? And, and I think those are good foundational sort of readings for people to, to be able to protect themselves from a narcissist. Not to say that it's a 100% proof, but... I think, you know, if the more you know yourself and you are good with boundaries and, you know, because boundaries is another issue. Um, if you see with what happened with Trump, there was no boundaries. There's the, the, so many lines had been crossed as to what previous presidents have done. And but I see that also in in some of the interpersonal relationships of people that have been with a narcissist. Absolutely. Yeah. Because there aren't any boundaries. No. The only boundaries there are are what the narcissist determines for himself. So you may be entering into a world where where reality and sanity might start to seem um, very distorted and, and hard to, to figure it out, un, unless you do some equipment to equip yourself. What would you suggest to people to uh, who, who either enter into a relationship or... In some cases, they may actually be working with a narcissist or have a narcissist boss. Um, what What do you think we need to do to um, to deal with that? Well, I think the first thing is to realize what it is that you're dealing with and to recognize it for what it is and not buy into the whole grandiose, um, altered reality kind of world that the narcissist lives in. Um, one of the things I used to tell my clients for years and years and years was most people put more thought into buying a new car than they do into entering a relationship. Um, if you're going out to buy a new car, you don't look at trucks. You know, If you want a red car, you don't bother looking at a white car. Uh, simple things like that. And I, I would get people to make out three lists. And the first list to be fairly short, these are the characteristics in your partner that you absolutely have to have in order to be in a relationship with this person. Um, maybe honesty or, you know, fairly, fairly strong traits. The second list was things that you would really like to have in your partner. I really like that to be present, but they don't all have to be there. And so they may come up with 15 or 20 things and maybe find somebody who fits 10. And that's great because they fit all of the other characteristics of the first one, uh, or first list. And the third one is just things that be nice, but it doesn't really matter all that much. And if someone's clear on those kinds of levels, then they fairly quickly in a relationship will start to pick up whether this person is actually fitting with what they need in a relationship or not. Yeah. Because it'll become apparent very, very quickly. But if you don't have any idea, as most people don't, then before you know it, you're involved in a relationship where you're being manipulated, you're being controlled, your reality is being questioned, uh, you're being isolated from your family and friends, and where do you turn when that gets to a certain point? It's very, very difficult to get away. And I, you know, and that I think is excellent. You and I have talked about that. I, I think, um, you know, being very clear. I always think about the brain and our perception of of what we see is also determined by what we've already pre-programmed there. And if you've already got those qualities 
depicted and clarified for yourself, it's much easier to recognize it when you see it, right? Absolutely. And that's the value of, of doing that. Um, uh, I think one of the things that would be a risk factor was, you know, I've, I've heard the term love bombing associated with a narcissist. And there, you know, and I always say to people when they're getting involved is, um, give it time before you throw 100% of your heart into a relationship because they might be very seductive and present as, you know, a very charming and successful. And they might have very compelling traits that are going to pull people and draw them in um, is to still, uh, you know, I've heard it said that it's good to have witnessed the four stages of, of, of seasons of life with a partner before you actually commit to them. So, you know, beyond just the sunny honeymoon stage, um, see how conflict is dealt with. Um, because in the initial phases, we're not dealing with a lot of conflict. There's a lot more love bombing and, and connection on, on the fun front. But if, if conflicts could be a good uh, insight into how this person actually deals with issues rather than going through the honeymoon phase so i i think people should give themselves a good amount of time to um to be able to truly say this is a partner that i know is going to be uh, treating me respectfully and get, give yourself time to see how the conflicts are handled um, differences are handled um then you'll get that whatever might be hidden because i think a narcissist can certainly um, disguise himself in the initial phases um, will come out. I think it's inevitable to come out. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why I used to always advise people, and I advise my own children of this, you know, if you find someone you think you want to spend the rest of your life with, make sure you live with them for preferably two years, but at least a year. So you do go through all of those different phases. You are with them day and night. You are, you travel with them, you, you talk to them, you have conflict with them and all of these different aspects that, that make up a relationship and people that jump in and you know get married within two weeks or something really have no idea who it is that they're getting involved with. It's, it's like it's like a blindfold. It is. It's like you're wearing a blindfold. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> like that TV show Married at First Sight. Oh, absolutely. They, they marry people that they've never met before. Yeah. And it just blows my mind. Well, I mean, we talk about gambling, and and I'm like, that is the epitome of gambling. Absolutely. You are definitely a gambler if you're if you're jumping in that quickly. I mean, so and what about um, if we have a narcissist in the workplace, a boss? I mean, my my thought is I'd be out of there. Like for me, a narcissist boss, I'm not going to be working there. But what are your thoughts about that? Well, the trouble is, as you say, if they're the boss, there's not a whole lot that you can do, and right. so most people do end up leaving. Yeah. Um, either that or they, you know, they leave in various ways to get a different job, transfer out, whatever. Um, and unfortunately, these people are often fairly bright and quite good at what they do. And so companies or organizations don't pick up what's going on. They, they, they just don't recognize it because they're getting what they want, which is success. Yeah. Um, and as long as the person keeps being successful, they're probably going to be able to stay in that job that, that they have. So yeah, it's a it's a very very difficult position to be in, and I, th I think the easiest thing is to just leave. Just like yeah. if you're in a relationship with a narcissist, the best thing you can do is leave. Yeah, I I would imagine that would be the only way. And, and anyone in a position of power, I would be automatically curious. And I think you know, bottom line, I I understand that any concerns that people when they get in in a relationship or in a job, they always have to consider finances, uh, issues of security. But I think. Um, the cost, the mental health cost for me, um, it far outweighs any other kind of financial cost because it is based on a system of conquer and divide, not on harmony and well-being. And, and so there is, and I've seen people come out of narcissistic relationships um, having to really recover from it. And, and oh, absolutely. So the longer that you're there, in, in those kind of relationships, it takes time to rebuild your sense of self once you have left a relationship um, like that. One of the things that I found um, with couples that I dealt with where one was a narcissist, I mentioned some of the characteristics before of isolating the partner and putting them down and uh, impacting on their self-esteem. Um, 
But one of the way the things that often happens is the non-narcissistic partner becomes quite depressed because their sense of reality gets totally distorted. And it's not until they get into treatment with someone like yourself or a therapist or whatever who has some knowledge of narcissism that they gradually come to realize what's happening to them because at, at that point, they think what they're doing is wrong. There's, yeah. They're the cause of their depression. Yeah. And they don't realize that, uh, yes, to, there's a certain amount of truth to that, but it's not a, a truth that you can do anything about because the person you're with is not about to change in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yeah. And so the only way is uh, to get out of that is to actually leave that person. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate that, that that's the out, the, the way out of that. Um, one thing, I guess, maybe to conclude this with is, is there any, um, do you think there's any um, remedial healing recovery possibility when we're dealing with a narcissist? Um, you know, I, one of the phrases I've heard is that, um, you know, behind the narcissist is a, a is there's a lot of shame and so the reason that they need to lift themselves so high is because anything perceived less than that they go into this shame state which might feed a narcissistic injury um you know i'm wondering if if there is this possibility that they have that i mean is there any hope for their for for changing some of those qualities well, I mentioned at the very beginning that all of these characteristics are on a spectrum from mild up to severe. And I think the higher up on that spectrum that you go, the less chance there is for change. Yeah. Certainly at the very severe levels, there's, in my experience, no chance of change whatsoever because yeah. the narcissist sees absolutely no reason to change. Yeah. So they're going to keep on doing what they're doing because what they're doing is perfect and it's right and it's it's what they need to do. Um at the lesser stages, yes, I think there may be some um, things that can be done um, if the person is willing to open themselves up to the possibility that maybe the world is not exactly as they see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, what they're creating is a world that they would like, um, but it's it's not reality. It's, it's fake news, for want of a better term. Yeah. Well, and maybe, perhaps, uh, maybe they some of those milder forms of narcissistic traits um, have a little bit more receptiveness and openness to responding, you know, because there can be some destructive elements, and and so that would be my hope that that you know it doesn't mean we see any narcissistic trait we write that off that that really we look at it evaluate it on a spectrum. And, you know, I could see there being some genuine, if someone is on the lower end of that spectrum, uh, that they, there might be a desire to change and to actually make things work, um, yes, you know, better than before. Be. Yeah. I, I guess the other point I want to make, um, mainly for our audience, is there is no medication for personality disorders. Yeah. Um, now, if you're a highly anxious person, you can take some medication to reduce the anxiety. If you're um, someone who has anger management problems, then you can go and take an anger management course, and even some uh, uh, medications can be helpful there. But when dealing with something like narcissism, which we really don't totally understand whether someone is born that way or whether someone um, encounters an environment or whether it's a combination of both. And from my experience with personality disorders, it really varies from one to another. Um, so I think, for example, with a narcissist, there's a fairly strong biological component to that, particularly at the higher, more severe end of the spectrum. Uh, the same with a psychopath uh, personality disorder. Um, there again, I think there's a very large genetic component. Someone who maybe um, is um, more dependent, uh, there might be more environmentally um, issues at, at play. Uh, so we really do have to assess the situation and figure out what we can actually do realistically mm-hmm. to improve it, if at all possible. That was a good note. I think it was a good note to end off of. And is there any final comment you think is important for people before we close off here? Around No, hopefully we've given people enough information that they can take a look at their own relationship if they have any questions or doubts. And if they say... Google narcissism um, and yeah. see what comes up. There's a, a, but go to good sites, good medical sites. Like Mayo Clinic is one of my favorite sites to go to 
because I can trust the information that they put on their website um, and it's reliable and valid. Um, there's a lot of other websites out there that are just nonsense, to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah. So you have to be very careful. So be careful what you ingest. But I think if, if in any way you're kind of questioning your reality and wondering what kind of relationship you're in, if you're recognizing any of these traits, then that might be time for a reevaluation of where you are and, uh, and, and maybe learning a little bit more before you make any decisions. Uh, but I do think it's important for people's mental health to make a decision if you're oh, seeing these absolutely. things happening. Absolutely. And I think one other source uh, that people can go to is their own family and friends. What do you think of so-and-so? What yeah. do you see? How do you see him treating me? Uh, how does he treat you? Um, yeah. Are there any concerns that you've noticed that you haven't mentioned to me before? So yeah. that you can get some feedback that maybe it's not all you Yes, absolutely. Um, And uh, get uh, some support either directly from friends and family or also from the Internet, as I said, on various groups. So there's lots of support out there if you if you look for it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I think this was really, really valuable. Um, I think, you know, you could go into so much more depth with this and, you know, maybe I'll have another conversation about narcissism. But I think this was um, such a great foundation for people to understand the essence of of narcissism and uh, the cautions of narcissism (laughs) (laughs) in our society. So thank you, Dr. Waterman. Uh, You're very welcome. And uh, this has been a great conversation here today, talking about uh, personality disorders, and in particular, narcissism. And I've been here today with Dr. Larry Waterman, retired registered psychologist, who has uh, had a lot of, in his course of his work, exposure with um, personality disorders, such as narcissism. So... Wishing you all the best and hope that when you recognize that there may be um, a narcissist in the midst, um, maybe it might be time to do a little research and see how you can help yourself. So wishing you all the best. Take good care.